1: Well, hey there, we roll into a brand new week, IB Sports Na- RB, our IV Nation sports talk, it'd be nice, you know, I've done this for a month now, if I could remember the name <laughs> of the show, but Ivy Nation sports talk, it's right there on the screen in front of me, who knew? <laughs> I'm Sean Styers, joined by the one and only Vince D'Addario, how was your weekend, your clean cut? once again did you do something fancy this weekend
2: um no not really uh just um it was actually a very nice weekend temperature wise so a lot of outdoor honeydew list items got taken care of this weekend so very busy um so that that was this weekend basically so nothing exciting but now we have trimmed bushes we have painted playgrounds and we have grass that is cut and things of that nature so things got done i'm excited about it yes yes my wife's a trooper. She did a lot of work outside. Did she? Oh yeah, she's the outside queen.
1: We uh we haven't had a lot of outside work at our house because it's been we got a little bit more rain last week, but it's been so dry lately that yeah. the grass is dying and I've actually oh. you know, I've got this I've got the mound system, you know, because we're on the, you know, the septic and the well and all that kind of stuff. So I've got the big mound in my backyard. I think you've seen it and uh I had to water it because the grass was just completely like crackling brown. Like you walked on the grass, it crackled.
2: Yeah,
1: it just you know, just not a good look when you've got something that big taking up your backyard. So I've been spending time watering it. I'd say it is maybe eighty to eighty-five percent green. Okay, like maybe five percent green a couple of weeks ago. So watering is working.
2: Yeah, I we have the you know the in-ground sprinkler system, and I will never. Own a house again that does not have that. Like spoiled. that is spoiled rotten, and Very we're spoiled. on septic as well, so it doesn't matter. I can water twenty four hours a day, and it doesn't matter. Not going to cost more. I love it, love yep. it. So you know, I
1: I just mentioned this. We just finished my first month doing this show. That's minute. right. And that month, those four weeks, <sighs> just. Flew right by, and if you remember, the first show that we did was the day after Notre Dame baseball won the Super Regional against Tennessee, went to the College World Series, and started that whole thing. I went off to Omaha for a few days, and we came back, and, you know, more baseball, and uh, fencing has become the code word for baseball when we start talking Notre Dame baseball, you know, in the YouTube chat. I don't know (laughs) if – if uh, you've noticed that before, but we'll be talking a little Notre, Notre Dame baseball. We've got that, you know, kind of saved for a little bit. We've got you know, some Notre Dame football up front, but I do just want to, you know, I, I would just say like, I've been pretty amazed at, you know, I'm doing like things we're doing right now, as far as this show, pretty similar to what I was doing when yeah. I did the old radio show and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, you know, you were, you were a part of it. Bobby was a part of it. Jesse was a part of it. Brian was a part of it ryan was a part of it you know for a little bit there towards the end but i've really been impressed i'd I'd have to say vince just with the community that we've kind of started you know you you know it better than me because you've been also working here for brian and and uh, irish breakdown for for a while now it's just the community that starts to develop you know and it's like we start seeing guys like irish shy town and drunk vigo you know some of these uh, you know father david penny you know all these different people there's Mm -hmm. others as well uh you know salted virginia peanuts and you know the whole thing and, and many many more in the live chat on youtube and but uh you know so we appreciate all the interaction you know i, I think for the most part guys keep it pretty fun and you yes. know they try to have you know like their serious quote-unquote serious comments about notre dame football and all of that but they keep it fun there's a good community going and you know so i think that that's really fun. And, and I, I'd, so I'd say that that has been kind of the, you know, maybe the most pleasant surprise out of doing this for the last four weeks or so.
2: Well, that's the best part about Irish Breakdown is the community that, that Brian and I and Ryan and and you now have all built. And then all of the viewers that have come in, because you're right. It's, you, you, you recognize a lot of the names and you see a lot of the same people and you get to kind of know their personalities based on what they're saying. And you get to know them kind of outside of it as well, you know, through social media and things of that nature. And we just got a great group of people, man. Absolutely. And it's, a, it's a great group of people that care about each other and they care about Notre Dame. And it's it's just, it's awesome. And I never anticipated when Brian and I were talking about going live, right, and doing these live YouTube and and all these different things, because we were just putting out recorded videos, you know, forever. Right. And it, it, we're like, ah, do we do this live thing, blah, blah, blah. I can't imagine Irish Breakdown without the chat, not right? Not doing I it
1: live, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can't
2: imagine it without that now. So what a great decision to go ahead and do that. And, and the, the people have not let us down. Let, let's yep. be honest there. So yes, I agree with you. And it's almost impossible to explain the IB community to people that aren't a part of it, right? So like two months ago, if I tried to explain to you, you know, what this was all about, you'd have been like, okay, well, I don't, you know, whatever, sure. You know what I mean? And, and radio's different because, you know, you're talking into the mic, you're doing your thing, you have your show, but you don't really get like the, the feedback and the questions and like the community vibe. And it's awesome. I love it.
1: Yep. Big time. Big time. So we appreciate our listeners, whether it's on YouTube or, or the podcast platforms, yes. whichever it happens to be, definitely appreciate you. And, you know, kind of a Maybe that's time for the, you know, the, the, the quick reminder, throw us the likes on YouTube. It always helps us out. Subscribe on YouTube. We've got over 10,000 YouTube uh, subscribers now. And you can also follow, rate, comment, you know, all that different stuff. Follow, rate, and comment on uh, the audio podcast platforms as well, wherever you happen to, uh, to get your podcasts. So uh, what with that, pretty quiet weekend, I think for the most part, you know, not, you know, kind of what you'd expect for the early part of July, I guess, but.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: hot dog eating contest oh yeah i was thinking about this today i was thinking about man it was just a week ago joey chestnut and all that what do you think joey chestnut does the week after (laughs) the fourth of july hot dog eating contest do you think he's still like like,
2: recovering like
1: that's what i'm wondering you know like does he does he try to get some road work in does he just veg for a couple of days i've just got to imagine i've I've got to imagine he's at least got to try to walk around a little bit because that's got to be uncomfortable to eat like 60 to 80 hot dogs or what you know, dogs and buns, dogs Bugs and, and buns. buns. That's right. <laughs> That's right.
2: I, I just, I can't even imagine putting that much food, that much just stuff inside my body. And then obviously it doesn't come back up this way. So it's got to come out other ways. And I just can't imagine the sitting well, on the couch and just being like, Ugh. you know, if
1: it comes back up, during the event they call it a reversal of fortune on That's right. you know during the hot dog eating contest i've got to think it's a reversal of fortune if it, you know when it, anything that happens in the next couple of days i don't want Man. to get too you know graphic right. thing but it's like we all know what we're talking about here's my here, here's here's i guess question number 2 is there anything You've been known to consume, you know, some food from time to time. <laughs> Is there anything you think you could consume on a championship oh level, gosh. the way Joey Chestnut
2: consumes hot dogs? Not anymore. I mean, I, I back <laughs> back when you and I first met, you know, I, I back would, in I those would,
1: days because you were I, like just coming out of your college days.
2: At yeah, that kind of I would I would punish a press box buffet like that was yes, that, that was almost my calling. I vouched card.
1: for it too. I for you. onions, uh, onions, if I remember right. Well, you
2: yeah, were the buddy. onion guy, weren't you? Yep, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they had the porta pit chicken up there and all that fun. Like we Pizza we used to dominate that thing. Yeah. Oh, it's time. great. Well, I mean, obviously that has fallen off the you know, the press box part has fallen off. It's no good anymore. But you know, I don't think I can hold as much as I used to be able to hold. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. And that must be because I'm getting old or what, but like I I can't eat as much as I used to eat. Like two meals a day, I'm good.
1: The only thing, like like I can I can crush some pineapple. You know, like some pineapple goes down. I don't know if I could like you know again like championship level exactly what (sighs) that would look like. Yeah, but I think I could maybe kind of give that a run. Some pineapple that, Mm. or just like pepperonis straight out of the package. Oh, interesting. I I, I like me some uh, you know some. Yeah.
2: Some nice cured salted meats. So, uh, I, I was thinking like goldfish. I, I could dominate. Mm. I used to dominate the big carton of goldfish. Like See, the, the problem with that version. is like
1: it's carbs, yeah. right? And then you've also got to kind of because your mouth gets so dry. Then you've got to you like. you got to have
2: the drink there. I mean, they've drink, got the water. Your, that your they stomach dip the buns starts in.
1: expanding and all that. That's
2: stuff. true. Yeah. You need an expanded stomach to put away championship level, though. I mean, yeah. that's. Whew, man. I think so, too. I that would be, so too. that would be tough, too. Drunk
1: Vigo. I think competitive eaters deserve more respect. I mean, I think there's there's definitely a skill to it.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you're using your body at a very at a very high level. Yeah, that's 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 athleticism. I don't care what anybody says.
1: And uh, stymy snurdly, I eat sour patch kids until I get a chemical burn on. I don't know how old you are, stymy, but that's a lot of
2: sugar. I don't. That is a lot of sugar. Don't need the sugar. Sour patch kids.
1: All right. Well, we've got a lot coming up again. We'll touch on the Notre Dame baseball thing. Um, Sean Stifler. And yes, we've already had some Stifler's mom jokes.
2: I mean, they write yeah. themselves at this it's point. Like, I mean, how
1: like that guy, that guy, because he's like right around your age. He's a little but older than he's like, like
2: 43, right? I think right. that's what so I saw.
1: Like, like a senior when you were a sophomore or something yeah. like that, probably. Yeah. But. You know, that's like right in the American pie wheelhouse that's high school it came out coming up it came that's out right. when
2: we were in high school so yeah. I believe it came out in the 90s so if it was the 90s he was in high school and I'm sure he has heard every Stifler's mom joke on the planet <laughs> and I give him a lot of credit for dealing with that for over the last 20 plus years yep that's right
1: we'll get to that in a little yes, bit we but I'll will. tell you what I'm excited about right now you know what like, are you speaking of speaking of this is July 11th it's better called Sol night tonight you know do do you watch Better Call Saul or did you watch Breaking Bad I don't think Mm -hmm. you've watched either right you've missed out and you know it is it is streaming and on demand and all that kind of stuff so I highly recommend probably Better Call Saul might be more you know like 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 Breaking Bad went a little bit deeper with the drugs and you know there were deaths sure you know all that kind of stuff Better Call Saul at least a little more humor. In there, but tonight kicks off the final six episodes. So I'm, you know, I'm Ooh. very excited about that. They're back later on tonight, uh, you know. So I'm be jumping into that. I think, yeah, it's the final six episodes coming up, and of course, it's the spinoff series from Breaking Bad.
2: Gotcha. And, okay.
1: You know, like spinoffs don't always work. Like for every Frasier, there's a Joni loves Chachi. You know, or I don't know Joey, or yeah, there you go, Joey <laughs> from Friends. Yeah, that's right. Ugh, man, he's like tried, but yeah. Just could not make it. So, you know, Breaking Bad was a great series and, you know, a lot of critical acclaim, won plenty of awards. Bryan Cranston, Aaron Paul, you know, they won Emmys and all that different stuff, you know. So, uh, you know, the series comes close, you know, it it comes to a close. And some people, you know, they like the way it ended. You know, others were less satisfied with how Breaking Bad ended. And then they decide they're going to do this spinoff of one of the characters. From the show. The lawyer, Saul Goodman, the funny guy. He's got all these quirks and crazy suits and you know, eccentric and, and all this kind of stuff. He's he's even got an alias, but who knew what to expect? You know, because you're going from one successful, one of the most successful TV shows, at, at least in recent memory, in Breaking Bad, and then you're spinning it off. But again, you don't know how the spin-offs are going to work. So, you know, they weren't even sure if it was going to be a comedy or a drama when it started, you know, so the first season gets going a little bit slow. Bob Odenkirk kind of carried the show on his own. And, you know, they again, great supporting cast. They had a few, you know, cast member, you know, like, like more minor cast members, I guess, from breaking Bad, but they had a little bit, you know, that, that they drew in as well. Lead cast with, you know, a pretty much freshly put together supporting cast kind of like oh, screaming. Here we go. Now we're off and running. So Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, you know, these last five years, obviously very successful five-year stretch in Notre Dame football history, double-digit wins every year, two college football playoff appearances, a couple near misses, you know, for college football playoff inclusion as well. Freeman steps out of his supporting role as defensive coordinator. He jumps into the lead role. He's now the head coach, high-profile team And all that, you know, he had to put together a little, you know, more of a coaching staff than he thought that he was going to originally have to put together. But here he is, 54 days to go until the season kicks off and roughly a month to go until the start of training camp. So the question for today is what's your expectation for this upcoming Notre Dame football question? That is the question we are asking today on Twitter. In fact, I did it fill in the blank style on Twitter today. Kind of a rapid fire, you know. Lots of test. responses,
2: lots of responses. There were
1: and we will you know, I've got some of those. Uh fill in the blank, your expectation for the upcoming Notre Dame football season is blank. And we do have uh, t- uh tons. Yeah. I wouldn't say tons. We've got a lot of responses. We'll get to we'll get to some of these um It was a good amount. And you might, yeah, you might every chance, you know, every now and then if you get to glance at something that catches your eye, throw it a star and, you know, we'll come back to it in the live chat. Let's just start with you, though, Vince, your expectation for Marcus Freeman's first season for this season of Notre Dame football. What is it? We kind of touched a little bit. I was with you and Brian on the mailbag the other day and we kind of kind of touched on that. A little bit. So, what's your what's your expectation?
2: Well, I mean, my overall expectation is I think the offense is going to be better than it, than it has been. I think it's going to be more consistent. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be better. That starts with the offensive line. It starts with the play calling. You know, I think it starts with the playmakers around a championship level quarterback. Notre Dame hasn't had that in a in a while, frankly, and I think they've got one now. He's got to go out and prove it. You know, it's right. speculation to a degree. Obviously, we haven't seen him take the helm of the offense. We're talking about Tyler Buckner. Haven't seen him take the helm of the offense as the starter. We've seen him come in as, as a package and and all of that. And I, I'm I'm excited about what this offense can bring. Yeah, of course, there's question marks about depth and injuries and all of those. Things. Absolutely. And frankly, has there ever been a college football season for whatever team you're following that there hasn't been question marks? I mean, there are there have been right. So. I'm excited about the offense defensively. I'm excited about this team. I mean, Al golden, what, what's his thumbprint going to look like for this defense? I think there's, you know, you've got all, you've got an all American, uh, all America candidate at at the, on the front, you've got an all American candidate in the back, you know, and I think this, this linebacking core is going to be better than a lot of people think that it could be. So I think this defense is going to be really, really good. I do too. I do too. I, I don't know if there's an all American there, but like as a group, I think they're going to be really good. Yeah.
1: I mean, you've got your leading tackler moving from the will position. I think the will position, or I think the Mike position with him moving over, there's going to be a little bit more athleticism. There's going to be a little bit faster. You know, look, he's not, he's not, you know, Jalen Smith, you know, so, you know, like maybe get that out of your head if that's what you're comparing him to. But, the guy had over a hundred tackles last year, and now he is moving to the position, the Mike linebacker, where you, like, you expect that guy yes. to be the leading tackle. Things get I funneled think, in. I mean, that's yes, the whole point exactly, of this defense. Yeah. I think there's more space he can cover. You know, you throw Maris Leafow over there at the Will, and and then uh, you've got Kaiser yeah. at the Rover. He's underrated? I,
2: I, I think. Yeah, I, I yeah yeah.
1: I think yeah. that's going to be a really good linebacker. Group. I'm, I'm, I mean, like right behind the defensive line. It's to me one of you know the. Uh, I'm, I'm just off the top. Definitely the top two defensive units. I think right there. You know, as a unit. Sure. And then as far as the whole team, it's probably in the top three or four. I would have to put it right there.
2: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I, I think this defense is going to be. I mean, it has the the potential to be a top five, top three defense in the country. I think it's definitely a top ten defense. And if you got a top ten defense you're going to be able to do some things. And I think they're finally going to have an offense to complement the defense, which has not been the case over the past few years that this, I mean, I don't, I don't even think it's arguable that the defense has led this team and the offense has been, you know, kind of going as the defense goes, you know, and and I think they finally have an offense that's going to complement them. So, you know, putting numbers on it, I think the floor for this team should be 10 and two. I, I think that's the floor. I really do. And you know, there's people out there, uh, I'll throw this one up from Matt. He says three or four losses is gonna take time. Okay, I understand where you're coming from, Matt, but as I look at the schedule, where are those three or four losses? I don't because like
1: as I'm looking at the schedule this year, going into last year, I thought we were probably talking about a 10 and two or nine and three team because again, you know, you lose Ian Book, the offensive line. There were so many questions with the Offensive line; those were the two biggest those are,
2: things. That's a major question, too.
1: Quarterback Great and team. the offensive line, and the offensive line obviously turned into a massive, ongoing issue that made Tommy Reese, you know, slash Brian Kelly, have to adjust that offense as they went. They kind of figured, sure, something, you know, and even even Marcus Freeman's defense took a little bit of time. You know, a oh, player or yeah. two goes the other way, and they could easily have lost that first game. You know, that opener down there at Florida State, but yeah. they managed. You know, they managed to pull it out. With Jack Cohn, you know, that that veteran presence paid off. You know, are there questions about Tyler Buckner? Sure, there are. But again, I I feel like based on what we saw in the spring, based on the track record that Tommy Reese has at being able to adapt what he wants to do with that offense to the, you know, to the players he has on the field, that's my confidence. You know, that gives me confidence In the offense, my only my 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 biggest question, and this won't be something we really find out until you know Tyler Buckner's feet are to the fire. What's he going to look like on third and long? You know, what's he going to look like when he has to throw it when he has to make completion on third and long? You know, because that was that was probably his biggest issue last year. You know, there were some inconsistencies. I agree,
2: and 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 I agree that that is the biggest question mark that we have. The problem is the way they practiced him they never put him in those situations in practice and so then when he found himself in those situations in games right they were they were unpracticed things and
1: that's the difference yeah. between being a package quarterback Correct. and being the true number 2 quarterback because remember even when we were seeing him early on tyler buckner still wasn't the you know the quote unquote number 2 guy it was exactly. Cone, then it was drew pine right and then it was Tyler Buckner yes. as a package guy because yes. he had a skill set that was so different. He was never the, the number two team. guy, and I don't. Yeah, and I, I agree right. with
2: you. I don't think people realize that. Like he wasn't getting number two reps in practice, right? You know that, that maybe was, he
1: got more. You know, later in the season, sure, but sure, but he yeah. early on he definitely
2: wasn't. Right, right. He had a package, and that was, and his package wasn't for third and long. <laughs> that right. is not. That wasn't what his package was for. So, right. He he's very much an enigma because we don't know what he's going to look like when he has the entire playbook at his disposal and he's practiced the entire playbook so we we don't we don't know that you know and so you're right that is a question mark I mean I like what I've seen on film of him I like what I've seen in practice of him really excited for the fall and getting into practice and watching what he's become over the last six months I'm right really excited about
1: you now again at the same time even though that is the question, again I have confidence in the coaching that he has that it's going to look better it's going to look a lot different than last year so like even if Tyler Buckner is a question now the offensive line is not near the question it was a year ago now you know the depth of the running backs, yeah. the depth of the sure. receivers those sure. are very valid questions even to an extent maybe, you know, the depth in terms of, you know, it's like Michael Mayer, and there's obviously a drop-off, you know, behind Michael Mayer. You know, so, like, the front-end guys are all great, got complete yeah. confidence in. But, like, even to Buckner himself, you know, let's – the fact that he got experience last year, that was the biggest thing that we wanted to see for this Absolutely. guy. That he got on the field. He was, you know, not standing on the sideline his whole freshman season after not having played his right. senior season. In high school, so now he at least has some experience. And I mean, like, like you look at Jameis Winston and Johnny Manziel, they both won Heisman trophies as redshirt freshmen, and he's got more experience than either one of those two guys had going into those Heisman seasons. Now, I'm not going to, you know, start the Tyler Buckner for Heisman campaign just yet. I'm just saying. At least he has some experience and, and, and again yes. it's going to look different how that offense operates around him this year and but it any- makes the offense operate. right
2: and if anybody was listening last summer this time last year all Brian and I could talk about because that was pre you and pre uh Ryan and everybody else it was just me and and Brian talking all we wanted was for him to get a package get experience playing on the field in front of eighty thousand fans like that that is all we wanted. We didn't want him to just sit on the sidelines with a clipboard signaling in plays. Like that's not what we wanted. And we got what we wanted. He got a package. He got experience. and I mean, frankly, he got more experience than I ever thought he was going to get because there there were times that they put him in, uh, you know, kind of above his skis. But he got a bunch of experience. And I think that is going to pay dividends for this year. But it also gives us a little bit of this is what he can do. Right. right. It gives us a little bit of that because we've seen it as opposed to the only thing we've got on him is film from his junior year of high school. Right. So it, we at least know kind of what we're getting a little bit. But I'm super excited about this kid. We, we, we've we talked about it for a long time. Notre Dame is a quarterback away from being a championship contender. This could and be it, that kid. I'm this, telling
1: you, this is that kind of guy. I, this I is that believe kind of guy. that. Yes. Yep. Stymie says full-time off-season program. When Tommy has no restraints, I'm not worried about Tyler at all. I think he'll make big strides this year. and I think he will as well. Again, you know, we saw some strides from him in the spring You know, sure. when we were able to be out there. And, and like you, I'm, I'm uh, hoping that we, uh you know, get to see some of uh, fall training, who knows exactly how much of fall training camp we're going to get to see, but you know, it's like, what, what, is, what is that offense going to look like? Again, I, I, I said, like even though like we all would have loved to have seen Tyler Buckner at the spring game, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that Ohio State, especially, and everybody else didn't get a chance to see um, you know what a, what a Tyler Buckner full-fledged offense is going to look like. Allen is bringing the frickin' chat down. <laughs> Notre Dame's going eight and four this year. It's brutal. Come on,
2: Alan. Well, come on, Alan. Alan. Take some
1: happy pills. Jimmy some... Fallon.
2: Do me a favor, Alan. Tell me the four <laughs> teams that Notre Dame is going to lose to. That, that's what I want to know. And right, because you... like
1: you said, you said ten and two is the floor, and I yes. tend to agree with that. I'm I'm definitely right there because like I could even see the three losses. You know, like Ohio State, Clemson, and then. You know, BYU, I know, I know, you know, nobody wants to hear it. BYU, USC, you know, again, I mean, yeah. with
2: USC, but it's the end of the season. So, sure. A lot know, of like, things can change between now lot and then and that's totally change. fine. Yeah. You know, BYU is a, is a, uh, a shamrock series game, right? Notre Dame has never lost a shamrock series game ever. Odds are in their favor. So, I mean, I like that. I like their chances there, you know, um, I just, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I guess, I guess we'll see. You know, I well.
1: So Alan, Alan followed up. But, what did Lou Holtz do in his first year? Now, okay, this is a completely different situation. Yeah, this what is, was the year is, before Lou Holtz? Yeah, look, that's exactly right. You're, <laughs> you're coming out. The reason Lou Holtz got the job is because they had to let Jerry Correct. Faust go. As great of a guy, as nice of a guy as Jerry Faust is, he obviously was not getting the job done on the field. It's coming. You know, it. That's usually the way these things go. This is the first time in the modern era that Notre Dame has been in this situation where they have had sustained success. And now you've got a guy who's coming in, in the midst and has been at least for a season, part of that sustained success, five consecutive double digit win seasons. And again, you've been to the college football playoff two times in that five years, just missed out a couple more times. So it's like now, you're, you're, you're not coming in, Marcus Freeman's not coming in in a rebuild situation where he's got to right. change the culture and all that. I mean, he, he was hired because he was part of the culture and they wanted right. to sustain the culture. So it's a completely, it's completely yeah. apples and oranges, you know, talking yes. how Lou Holtz came in compared to
2: how Marcus. Lou Freeman's Holtz came been. in and he inherited a five and six football team. That's back when they only played 11 games in the, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They were five and six. Well, he went five and six his first year. So, I mean, that's the answer. He went five and six his first year. Completely different scenario right so if marcus freeman does exactly what his predecessor did in his final season i think we'd all take that that's an 11 and 2 season right that's yep. that's not terrible you know so, so you know there's that one
1: of the twitter responses today says he's less optimistic this year than for next year 2023 we'll keep getting better under current recruiting regime and, you know, again, th- this is something that we talked about in the mailbag episode on Friday. We had, uh, I think a lot of people tend to be falling into this line of thinking, Vince, that this is going to be the big transition year, but it's, you know, and then it is next year that they're building toward it. And like, when I look at the composition of this roster, you know, again, if you get some injuries in some key places, okay, I could see, you know, maybe you're, you're, you know, you're, you're in some trouble running back court, you know, quarterback, receive, you know, wherever it happens to be, you know, in, in the secondary of, uh, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I could see some of that, but based on the guys who are most likely going to go out there and start the season, those guys stay healthy. I I don't, I don't see this being any kind of transition year no. at all. I, I don't, I, you either. know, again, I think it's more, I don't you're, you know, like I had more questions. You know, again, there were more questions, I felt like more significant questions going into last year and look what last year ended up like. And the schedule was virtually roughly the same, right? Yes. I mean, mean, that's that's kind of how they're building these schedules year in and year out. You've got, you've got two and a half to three games that are, you know, two games that are definitely going to challenge you, depending on how some of these other teams are, you know, another one of these teams might challenge you, you know, like we can, you know, kind of sit back and laugh at USC, but let's, let's face it with Lincoln Riley, you know, more likely than not, they're going to get better over the next few years, you know, so that's, we're going to, we're going to start to look at that differently. And then, you know, again, you've got a BYU on there. So, I mean, it's like, it, it it's, it's going to come down to a handful of games every year, sure. whether it's going to be an eight and three, or, you know, 10 and two, 11 and one, 12 and 0. I, I, I think that, I again, I agree with you. I, I think ten and two is the floor, and there's yeah. still a lot more ceiling after that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I you know you can go, you can work your way, and we can do this if we want to. You can work your way through the schedule, and you can poke holes in almost every single opponent that Notre Dame's going to play, with the exception of Ohio State, and and even Ohio State has holes. I mean, there, there's no question about it. Their, their defense is a giant question mark right now, but that means Notre Dame's offense needs to step up. You know, th- there's nothing guaranteed about Ohio State. And I can tell you right now, as of June 11th, I'm not predicting Notre Dame to beat Ohio State. I'm not going there, right? But I- I've got a pretty good feeling about where things are going with every other game on the schedule. I, I feel really good about that, for sure. You know, and-, and I was kind of keeping an eye on the chat, and I'll go ahead and read this from Michael Johnson. He says, 10-2, and 11-1, stop with this USC and North Carolina crap. Both of these teams... Have bigger problems than notre dame this bk ptsd has to stop in it's, our own fan base and that's he's what right. it is
1: he's all right. of this thinking all of this thinking goes back to the guy who used to be the head coach that's that's the perfect way to put it yes BK ptsd is 100
2: accurate and it's it, like everyone's
1: wringing their hands about you know I all get these it. different things yeah it's like you, you know you're coming up with with doomsday scenarios I don't buy North Carolina either. North Carolina should have been better last year. And they challenged Notre Dame, you know, let's face it, because, again, you know, that turned into a shootout. It was a very entertaining game. You would rather have seen Notre Dame, you know, win that in a, in a different fashion. But, you know, Sam Howell, you know, you had a really good quarterback. You had some some skill position guys out there for Carolina who are playing in the NFL now. So, you know, and, and again, you know, the def- defense was, was up and down. To an extent. I'm not buying North Carolina this year. Again, it's, the, the three big games to me are probably what they are for most people. Um,
2: and look, and and look USC is, has is, a ton of skill kids. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're pulling in skill kids from across the board. The problem is they can't land any big boys. You know, they're, they're both lines are going to be not great. And if you can't protect your quarterback and if you can't stop the run, you're going to be in trouble. And I don't, look, USC is going to be markedly better than they were last year. Markedly better. They won four games last year. They're probably right. going to flip their record, right? 4-8, 8-4. Eight, eight and four. I think that's accurate. I think that's logical because the Pac-12, it's not very good, right? So they're going to get a bunch of wins. But when it, when, it, when it comes down to it, man, I just don't see USC being all that tough. Now, that's the last game of the season. You know, a lot can happen between now and then. We're going to know who USC is before Notre Dame goes out.
1: And I talked to RJ Abatia, who covers USC last week. And he's, you know, I asked him about the two lines. Defensive line is a big issue. You know, they've got a high end guy, but after that, there's just a lot of questions on that defensive line. He said he felt like the offensive line legitimately got better as the season went on last year. And that by the end of the year, they were, you know, much better than they were at the beginning of the season. But because of the way they were, you know, it's like, Nobody is really talking about that. So, that, you know, again, yeah. we'll see. But, again, that is game better. number 12. That's game it. number 12. Yeah, right. United,
2: so. And they should be better. They only, right. they could only go this way, right? I right. mean, they, they should be better. Notre Dame's offensive line was better at the end of the season as it was in the beginning of the season. But I don't think anybody would have said that Notre Dame's offensive line was good. You know Look, what I mean?
1: You know, there, there, there are questions for Marcus Freeman as a first-time head coach, and some of them played out in that Fiesta Bowl. How much does he learn from that fiesta bowl? He kind of got a free, you know, sort of like a free exhibition game, you know, basically a a game under his belt to see how he would react. And now how does he, how does he kind of do that going forward? You know, there's, let let me ask you this. I had that article last week, the Bill Polian thing. I was thinking about, I was originally going to use that, like to talk about on a show, but then I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just kind of write this and you know we can, great. you know, I'll publish it. You want you're gonna be back with me
2: Wednesday. Yes. You think we could
1: talk about that on oh, Wednesday?
2: Like absolutely, yes. I I, that? I was riveted by that article. Okay, yeah, okay. No so question. we'll do that
1: because it's 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 a checklist of yeah. Bill Pullian, who was a great NFL executive with the Buffalo Bills, obviously, in the, right. know, the 80s and into the 90s, and then with the Indianapolis Colts. He hired Marv Levy who led the Bills to their four Super Bowls. He hired Tony Dungy, who, you know, led the Colts to their only Super Bowl win. So, you know, this is a guy, Bill Polian, who knows a thing or two about what it, you know, what goes into hiring a head coach. And so he's got this checklist of 11 things. So on Wednesday's show, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. Like, just exactly maybe, you know, where Marcus Freeman is going into this first season. So we'll kind of say that for then but like rock irish d rock irish says do you think a bad loss to ohio state in three or more losses this year will create a flip of our verbal commitments to other schools i honestly worry about that possible scenario john what do you is, think about this, that this, this 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 to me is like more of the b you know post bk ptsd um you know because that's all these people, all these kids are committing to Marcus Freeman and this staff without having seen them really coach a game. You know, again, like the Fiesta Bowl is it. I just, I don't feel in like you, t- again, like you and I don't cover recruiting on a daily sure. basis. Ryan is actually going to be here with me on the show tomorrow. So maybe nice. this is something I'll bring up with it. He's going to start the show with me. We're just going to talk a little, you know, like some bigger picture, you know, stuff yeah. like this. This you is know, perfect. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I would say, you know, my gut feeling is like when you talk to recruiting guys, the wins and the losses typically don't you know, like in the moment, they don't drive a kid in terms of what their decision is. So I don't I don't think now when you're competing with Ohio State for some of these guys, could you get a flip or two? I suppose maybe, I don't know, but I tend to say no. You know, I tend to say that it is much more about the relationships that yeah. you know got, that yep. Marcus Freeman and his staff with built for the you have built with these kids, and that's why they're committed in the first place. Yeah, so so I say no, I don't think that that would impact it, right? And I, if it does, it's minimal, I think.
2: yeah, and and I don't for again, I don't see four losses on this schedule. Yes, anything can happen. I didn't predict the 2016 you know win loss what that ended up being obviously so you know things can can turn if there's a massive amount of injuries or whatever so I mean I don't see that being the case but I also feel like this class has been built the right way and you mentioned it it's the relationships it's it's Marcus Freeman at the helm of this thing he's been involved in the recruitment of every single kid that has committed to Notre Dame that's new for Notre Dame okay and that is as a difference maker when you have a relationship not only with your position coach your head recruiter but also the head coach those that's too many relationships to turn your back on and the guys that have committed to this class are committed to this class it's not like i don't know i'm just throwing a name out there carnell tate was like yeah i'm gonna go to notre dame and you knew that as soon as somebody came with a bigger dollar sign he'd be gone you know what i mean that's not who these guys are that are in this class these guys are committed to this class. I, I don't see them jumping ship. I really don't.
1: Yeah. Ira Shytown says, I think these number one recruiting <clears throat> classes have amped up the expectations for 23 and 24. That's probably true. And they might've even, sure. you know, amped up some of the expectations for this season. Again, I, I think that they were going to have a good season anyway, but I think that sort of the shine from, from all this job that, that they've done in recruiting, you know, really going back to last year, obviously, I, I think that that has definitely yeah,
2: oh, amped absolutely
1: up some of the excitement.
2: And it's amped up the excitement around the program. It's amped up the recruiting trail. It's amped up a lot of things. And I agree with you. The expectations for twenty three and twenty four were already going to be solid, but if you if you start bringing in top three, top five, top three classes continuously over and over and over and over how can you not be excited for the future of what is at Notre Dame? But here, here's where I will caution everybody though. If they keep doing that, if they keep bringing in these top classes, then Notre Dame is going to be a young team every year, because that means these guys are going to be gone after three years. Okay. That's
1: right. You know, and we're going to have uh, curious to see sort of a different philosophy in a couple of different things. One, just with recruiting itself, like the one thing Brian Kelly would do, when he would get these verbal commitments. It's like, okay, if you're going to verbal, we're you know we're not going to accept it unless yeah. we're 99 percent sure that you're not just you know going to back out sure. in a couple of months. You know how is yeah how's that going to you know what's so how how will that play out with Marcus Freeman? Well,
2: and that that's a that's a solid point. I and and the point I was making about the team being younger and and kids leaving after three years is. You, you can't use the word rebuilding then, right? Oh, well, right. we're going to have so many young guys because so many kids are leaving. That's what you get when you have all these good recruiting classes. Guys aren't going to be here for a super long time. Football players graduate in three years. They'll all, not they'll all, some of these top guys are going to leave after three years with a degree in hand, and they're going to turn it over to a true freshman or a true sophomore, And but we can't keep using the term rebuilding. It's going to be a reloading situation if you're bringing in all these top classes. So we have to change our thinking. We have to change our mindset when it comes to this team. And I think that's really important for people to understand.
1: Nope. I completely agree with that. And, you know, and again, the other shift potentially in philosophy is like, especially at wide receiver. Sure. Example where we didn't see some of the young heralded guys get out there on the field. They were (laughs) taken. You know, two, three, sometimes four years to get that's out. That's why there they all the left. Field. Frankly, right. I mean, and now you know how is that? Yeah, and that's that's a big part of why you've got the numbers that you've got. You know, and on the on the current roster, but but how how different is that philosophy going forward with Marcus yeah. Freeman? Like the you know and, the desire, the yeah. need, the willingness, the want to to get these guys on the field. You know, again, like like Tyler Buckner last year. He wasn't, you know, in a full-time quarterback role, but they found a way to get him on the field. Can they do that you know, with, with some of these freshman wide receivers? You know, you know, a handful of snaps per game even to get them out there on the
2: field. Well, and they're they're practically forced to play Merriweather this year. Um, you know, he's obviously really, really good. That's all we hear about when we hear from our sources about how things are going in the summer, et cetera. He's, he's doing really well, right? They're as long as his play. dad
1: brings the burn-ins. That's really <laughs> all that matters at this point. I've <laughs> heard
2: that. Uh, but he's going to play this year, right? Well, they're bringing in four freshmen for the next year. What kind of playing time are they going to get? Like, I think we're going to start, maybe not this season, to see some of that. But I think as you move forward, you're gonna you're not gonna see the reluctance to play those young guys I, I really don't think that and i think we're gonna get a real good view of that maybe in the 23 season because you know there's only there's only one coming in this right. year so
1: we've been uh we've been talking about the expectations we have for Notre Dame this season and uh Jude he was actually one of the first to comment on Twitter earlier today he said his his expectation is that everyone has fun and that there are ample orange slices during games and a pizza <laughs> party that. at it's the end of that. the season.
2: <laughs> Jude obviously coaches his uh, six-year-old yes. team. Um, but uh, yeah, you know what? At the end of the day, of course, it's about having fun, right? I mean, that, that that's what it's all about. And it's it's about us fans having fun. It's about the players having fun. It's easy to root for a team who's having fun. And like I always tell my teams... What's fun? Winning, winning. <laughs> That's right. That's, winning is fun for everyone. Winning is fun, right? Just to so, be honest. Right? <laughs> absolutely, winning yep. is fun, and it's a and winning cures a lot of ailments, right? So you yep. win, things are good. Things are really, really good. So, and I, I anticipate this team's going to win a lot. You know, and by a lot, I'm talking double-digit wins.
1: Gap on Twitter said he is cautious. <clears throat> That's all he said. Cautious. Okay. Okay. Cautiously optimistic, cautiously yeah. pessimistic. Are you just being pragmatic? Yeah. Chuck, our friend Chuck Freebie said his expectation was irrelevant. And I mean, if we were <laughs> going to disqualify, you know, everyone's thoughts, comments, slash expectations based on <laughs> true relevancy, you know, like none of our expectations actually change. You know, the on-field. Results, but you know, so if we're going to transfer or, or, or cancel everyone's expectations based on relevancy, then you know what? You know, we wouldn't even be sitting here.
2: Yes, Look.
1: On, you got to give us more than that. next.
2: I time. mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> yours and my expectations of this Notre Dame team is not going to affect the win loss record, right? Yeah. They're not asking us for you know play call ideas and you know depth chart opinions and things like that, but well, that's why we have the show, man. We want everybody to have their that's opinion, right. that, that's what we do, man.
1: Carlos is completely over the top the other way. Fourteen and zero Heisman for Buckner, <laughs> Eddie Robinson for Freeman, Broyles for Tommy, Joe Moore for the offensive line, top three overall pick for Foskey, top ten pick for Mayor and Joseph. Yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah, he's just you know everything's going to go right for this team. Be great, yeah, but you know there is some fluctuation from him. We you know he was definitely in the minority. We did have more you know like eight and fours, nine and threes. You know, and we asked for. For honest expectations, maybe I'm surprised that that people are actually thinking we're going to see eight and four, nine and three. That would be
2: a massive disappointment. It really was yes, for me. It so would be too. a massive disappointment. Eight and four, nine and three is a massive disappointment. Something, something about the season took a hard left turn. If that's what they end up doing,
1: I agree. I agree. Now again, there is a huge difference in head coaching game day experience between the guy who just left and the guy who's coming in. Right. You know, so there, there are, to me that for this team is specific to Marcus Freeman. That's the biggest question. How does he handle, you know, like the crunch time situations when he has to make a decision at the end of the first half, when he has to make a decision at the end of the game, you know, when you're trying to decide, do you, Do you run the ball versus do you throw the ball, you know, keep clock moving, even if you're not, you know, you know, all those different things. And it's going to be really, you know, like pretty much, what was it? A couple of weeks ago, all the different Notre Dame outlets got their one-on-one time with Marcus Freeman. Brian got some as well. And uh, I did see where Mark, I can't remember who it was, just like what I you know, some of it was behind paywall. Some of it wasn't, you know, <laughs> whatever. Course. But, yeah. you know, so like what I was able to see, he had talked about the fact that one of his big focuses from a like a game situation that he's, you know, something he's doing this off season is he is going back and looking at film for both Notre Dame and the opponents like the last four minutes of each half, last four minutes of the first half, smart, last four, you know, last four mm-hmm. minutes of the game. And sitting there and saying, "Okay, you know, how am I, how am I going to react to this? What's my decision? Sure. You know, all these different. Now it's different when you're on the sideline versus doing it for real, Absolutely. and you've got you know 45 seconds to make every decision, basic. You know, less than that to actually make the decision. You know, so there's a big difference. But at least he's so you know, sort of training his his brain to get into that mode that he's going to have to make those decisions. He knows that that's the biggest adjustment. I think that he's going to have to make on game days.
2: Absolutely. And if we think that he was able to do that prior to the Fiesta bowl, you're kidding yourselves, right? I mean, he, he had three weeks to prepare and that means three weeks to get practice going and all of those different things, get his staff right in the head and all of these different things. And like, that's not an easy thing to do. He wasn't studying end of game scenarios. Right. And I, I, I don't give him a complete pass for the Fiesta Bowl. People s- seem to think that I do. That's not what I'm doing at all. But he did let Mike Elston handle the defense all the way. It was a job interview. I mean, that is yeah. part of it. I don't see that being the case moving forward. You know what I mean? It. No, I mean,
1: that's a good point. Because if that had gone differently... For Notre Dame's defense in that game, maybe Mike Elson is, right. is the defensive coordinator yeah. instead of up at Michigan right now.
2: 100%. I mean, he yeah. left not only because that was his alma mater, because he got passed over for defensive coordinator again. Again, Which yeah. I get. I totally understand it. And when right. your alma mater comes calling, you go. I get that too. So th- there were extenuating circumstances with the Fiesta Bowl. Again, I'm not giving him a complete pass, because if he won that game, we'd be like, well, he's 1-0 right now he's one to know like we so if you if you're going to say that he was one to 0 you've got to say that he's 0 1. I mean it just trying to be fair here, right? But it wasn't a normal situation. He hasn't right. had his staff with him for a game day yet, right? Yeah. Completely uh, different staff it's that he's a, going to have as well. Completely different scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, and he had frankly, let's be honest, he had no idea what was going on on the offensive side of the ball during the fiesta bowl
1: yeah and that's another thing he's done
2: this yeah off season he's dope get more involved in. yes. not necessarily
1: hands all over
2: it but he's but in there he's in the, the quarterback, in the quarterback room. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right yeah exactly right
1: nick says he thinks 10 and 2 justified losses to ohio state and a non-clemson team he says he likes our chances against that team but will get a head scratcher like somewhere
2: you know what that's a you fair know and again
1: this assessment. this like comes to You know, again, because as much as you, you know, we can, there are things that we can knock Brian Kelly for, they still did win the games that they were supposed to. Absolutely. Some of those games turned out to be a lot closer than we thought. Sure. But you can't discount the fact that his three decades experience as a head coach were factors in the decisions that went into the end of those games and them being able to win those games.
2: No, I, I, from the after the 20, so 2017 and on, he beat the teams he was supposed to beat. Yeah, hundred percent. And you have to give him credit for that. That's building a program. He built this Notre Dame program up to a point where he beat all the teams he was supposed to beat. Just didn't get over the hump to beat those teams that were either equal talent or better talent, right? Beat those teams. That's the problem. That was the issue. And that's why he left because he didn't think he could do that. And he flat out said it. He, he, I took them as far as I can go in Notre Dame. I'm going to LSU where I've got a better opportunity at those things. Yes. Okay. We'll see. Exactly. Exactly.
1: All right. A lot of, uh, I tell you what, we've been at this for almost an hour right now. This We're is good. Just blown right by. Let's, do you want to talk a little bit about the new baseball? Or Absolutely. We have a new baseball coach since. We have a
2: super chat that talks about the base. So it's a perfect transition.
1: Oh, we've got a super chat. Throw yes, it up
2: there. Yes, we do. From Will Claw. Thank she- you very much, Will. Very much appreciated. He hey, guys, I'm actually a student at VCU and a big Notre Dame fan. Sean Stifler did a terrific job, especially this year with a young team excited for him. Right.
1: And so the reports are, and I've been able to get some confirmation on this, that Sean Stifler, the Virginia Commonwealth sure. head coach, is going to be Notre Dame's next head coach with, of course, Link Jarrett going to Florida State two weeks ago. Uh, Stifler has been at Virginia Commonwealth for 11 years now and, um, Basically, he became the head coach in the middle of a season when the head coach became ill, and unfortunately he ended up passing away. But the job Stifler did for the next decade after that, he went 352-206, and 144-71 in Atlantic 10 play. Uh, Virginia, he's one of just seven programs in the nation with at least 34 wins over the past nine seasons. So, you know, pretty good company. Yeah. Right there. He was the A-10 coach of the year three years ago. Um, and they've also been to the NCAA tournament each of the last two years. And he's he's taken them uh, to the tournament three times in his 10 seasons, including the program's only super regional appearance in 2015. So this guy has had a lot of success. He comes from pitching background. He was a pitcher in college. Nice. He was the pitching coach before he became the head coach. And, you know, the other part of this is – You've, you've got a guy just like Link Jarrett basically coming, you know, he's got a good track record mm-hmm. at a mid-major from the south, you know, and now he's coming up north to take over Notre Dame. So what do you think about this guy, Vince?
2: I mean, this, I didn't know him, obviously I don't know him personally, I did the resume lookup up uh, similarly to you, I'm sure you've got more specific information than I do, but... The track record of Notre Dame, I mean, what they do, and we we talked about this the other day. I think it was in the mailbag. The show's run together. Um, <laughs> but we talked about the fact that Notre Dame is fiscally responsible when it comes to the way they pay their coaches, the way that they spend their money, et cetera, right? He fits right?
1: that mold. He fits that mold, yeah. And that is exactly <laughs> the
2: point that I'm making. It's not like they went out and got a hot name that is an assistant in the SEC or bring in another head coach from Power 5 Conference. Notre Dame does it differently. They need to go kind of that next level, find a guy that's had sustained success someplace and, and really good success. And you just rattled off those numbers. He fits the mold of what Notre Dame generally goes yeah. after. And frankly, he fits the exact well, mold that came with uh link Jarrett. Right? Yeah,
1: and that's what I was going to say. Hmm. Now he, he fits the mold of the mold that they have developed it with these last go. two I, hires, because really, that. You know, prior to that, you know, because now you've got Link Jarrett, who came from UNC Greensboro. Stifler comes from uh, um, Virginia Commonwealth, obviously. But, you know, prior to that, you go back, you had Larry Gallo, who, you know, was like our friend Tim Priester's coach back in the early 80s. He was a guy who came, you know, a northern background. Pat Murphy had a northern background. That's true. Paul Maneri had a northern background. He came from Air Force, you know, and then after that, Dave Shragg a lot of different places in the Midwest, but he, Evansville was his last stop before here. He had been at Northern Illinois. He had a Northern background, Mick Aoki Boston college in Columbia yeah. had a northern, you know, so they've really, that was kind of their mold. It was like, okay, do we, you know, I, the, the, the thinking now you've had some different assistant and associate ADs who are a part, a big part of this hiring process. It is typically, sure. you know, they're the ones who lead this coaching search. And then, you know, they come in and you know, they talk with Jack Swarbrick and all that stuff, but it is, it is the sport administrator. That's, that's, you know, kind of spearheading the search for this job, but they, they broke the mold with link. Jarrett looked at success that link Jarrett had by getting a guy to come up from the South, a guy who had had some success in the South. And now he is going to join what is basically a Southern conference, but yeah. you are, you know, the beacon in the North, so to speak of this Southern Conference. So, you know, so it, it seems like a pretty good hire. You know, again, like w- when you look at like he's actually had more success in his time at Virginia Commonwealth than Jarrett even did in his time at UNC Greensboro. So, you know, when it comes to NCAA tournament appearances and such. So absolutely. I, You know, it sounds like a pretty good hire to me.
2: Yeah, no, I think it sounds like a great hire, and I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see if Notre Dame can continue on the success. I think the first thing he's going to have to do is take a look at that transfer portal that has a bunch of Notre Dame guys in it and try to get well, those guys to come back. I mean, I don't know if that's even possible, but...
1: Here's, here's, the, here's, here's a big question to me, is we also found out that Link Jarrett's two assistants, Rich Wallace and Chuck Ristano... Are going to leave Notre Dame and they are going to join Link Jarrett's staff down there at Florida State. Yeah, Rostano has done just a great job with the pitching staff here at Notre Dame for two really different well. coaches. You know, really AOP, well, yeah. and You know, and Link Jarrett, but uh, you know, so now with Rostano going down there, and you've already got all these pitchers in the transfer portal, like yeah. Jack Findley and and Alex Rayo. You know, being the two big ones. I guess are you going to, you know, if, if these guys end up following Jarrett and this whole staff down to Florida state, (laughs) does it make you look at link Jarrett a little bit different? You know, like if he, if he basically raids Notre Dame's roster and takes all these guys down there,
2: you, you could, you could look at it both ways. I, you absolutely could. You, you could be like, Oh, sure. You leave. And then you take our best players with you and, 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 and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I get that. I totally understand that part. But for me, I look at it as what he was able to accomplish while he was here. And what he does after, that's different. And if those guys decided – I mean, nobody put a gun to those kids' head and told them to go to Florida State. They made the decision to leave Notre Dame and go to Florida State. If that's their decision, then so be it. I'm sure that they had discussions with one or more of the coaches, and they said, hey, there's going to be a spot for you down in Tallahassee. But I – I don't know. I don't look at it any differently. That's me, but I I can very easily see how people would.
1: It was already going to be a big roster rebuild, and and like if you look absolutely. at if you look at Notre Dame's offense this season, like they didn't light the world on fire in any particular offensive category, but they did, you know, a lot of small ball type yes, things. You know, absolutely. they 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 can score runs in different ways. You know, that's that's what made. The offense go so they didn't have great slugging percentage or on base percentage or any of these different kind of things. Although they did, you know, set a program record for most home runs in a season. But what really was what carried them, and this is like you know again, so many similarities between Jarrett and Paul Maneri, the way these two coaches did things, because you know, like the offense that I just talked about, that was a big hallmark of Maneri's teams being able to manufacture. But then you also invested heavily your scholarships in the pitching and you know you're a baseball coach Vince I've been a baseball coach we all know you know you're not going anywhere if you don't have pitching you can't hit you cannot out hit bad pitching that's one of the first things link Jarrett told me when I did an interview with him right after he took the job you cannot out hit bad pitching one of the
2: first things I learned as a high school baseball coach I can tell you that right now learn that lesson well
1: (laughs) learn that lesson well myself Love some of those kids, but, you know, yeah. they're, they're not at that yeah, you know, at that level. And that's – so there was going to be a big roster rebuild anyway because, you know, you're only going to have a couple of starters back in terms of everyday players because you had all these grad students and everything else. But now you, you're potentially going to have to – you know, you, you knew you were going to lose John Michael Bertrand, but you're going to lose yeah. basically, you know, three of your next best pitchers
2: after that. Right. That's huge. And there are young kids too. It's not like – they were seniors and they were graduating. It's just normal attrition. They they were young kids who are leaving, and that's that hurts. That hurts the program. There's no question about it. And like you said, I think, what, nine of the ten starters were all seniors or with limited el- or eligibility left after this season, so it was going to be a massive rebuild anyway. Yeah. Um, but when you've got that foundation of good pitching, it makes things a lot easier. I will yeah. say that. Very interesting,
1: you know. And there, there was some talk in this search process about Pat Murphy, the guy who was the head coach at Notre Dame. Came in at the end of the '80s and into the '90s before Paul Maneri, before he left for Arizona State. Um, I think both this, you know, this cycle and when Link Jarrett ended up getting the job. And I'm not trying to disparage Pat Murphy because I think he's a really good coach, you know, like when you look at his personality versus the personality of some of these other guys, it's a lot different. You know, there's there's a lot different kind of intensity and uniqueness that goes with Pat Murphy's per Now, I don't know him personally, I talked to him just a handful of times, but knowing people who do know him more than me and hearing some of those, th- you know, it's like, there's a different personality there. But the bottom line is, Pat Murphy had to leave Arizona State in 2009 because the program was slapped with a lack of institutional control by the NCAA. And he's been, the you know, uh, Craig Council's bench coach up there in Milwaukee um, since what, 2015. And of course, Council played for Murphy here at Notre Dame. I just don't think, you know, there's a reason, you know, pro Bowl is a good job. He gets a nice paycheck. He gets to, you know, go to the ballpark every night and he gets to be involved. But I think deep down, he really does want to be a college baseball coach again. Definitely wants to, you know, to be able to call his shots. I just think that, especially at a place like Notre Dame, you start talking about lack of institutional control is why you were forced to resign 13 years ago. I just don't see that, you know, I don't see that playing. And obviously it hasn't, you know, based on how the last two hires have gone.
2: Yeah, no, I couldn't have said it better myself.
1: We're running a little bit short on time. I wanted to get in. (laughs) Like usual. I wanted to get at least one of these rapid fire. Okay. All right. So after the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. (laughs) This is a great one. So the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup (laughs) a couple of weeks ago. So Denver Post beat reporter Mike Chambers tweets a picture of himself with the Stanley Cup over his head and a cigar in his mouth. So he's like, he's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've seen the pictures.
2: I have not, but I got a good visual. But that's
1: kind of you know the, the little the little impression that I did there. So and he's also got a picture of himself with Colorado Avalanche Captain Gabriel uh Landeskog and the trophy together. So after this guy tweets these photos, both fans and media alike have been calling him out, calling him a jock groupie. <laughs> That's the best term, by the way. Questioning his objectivity as a beat reporter. So I'm curious, what do you think about a beat reporter specifically doing something like this? Like he's, you know, he's yeah. the guy, he's <laughs> on the beat, you know, he's, you know, the quote unquote journalist, the news, you know, all that right. different kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. What do you think about the a, a beat reporter yeah. doing something like this?
2: I think it's Bush League, to be honest with you. Now, I'm trying, I, I realistically try to put myself in his position. Okay. So you know, I'm following Notre Dame, I'm at all their games. If they win the national championship, I'll be at the game and I'll probably be on the field when it happens. Right. Okay. I'll be taking a ton of pictures. <laughs> okay. I will be. Yes, you, I, would. yes okay? you would. Yes, you would. Yeah. Well, I maybe ever even that? with the trophy, right? But if you had the chance, if I had the opportunity, absolutely. Here's the difference. Number one. I'm not going to be going up to players and put my arm around their neck and doing like selfies and stuff like that will not happen. Right. Number two, if I did all of those pictures, they're for me. They're not going up on social media. I'm sorry that those are for me to enjoy. I'm not putting that out there because guess what? The only way I got that access is because it's my job. And if I want to keep my job, I'm going to keep those pictures to myself. Right. That's how I see it. Like, look, I'm going to be the happiest guy on the planet if Notre Dame ever wins the national championship, okay? The happiest guy on the planet. But there is a line that I think that guy not only crossed, but he leapt over it and then, like, you know, just made a made his bed right there. Like, that's yeah. just nuts.
1: Chi-Town says there are a lot of local beat writers that Absolutely. are homeless, and I agree with that. And I think I that, you know, mm-hmm. with the proliferation of the internet and social media and everything else, you you We definitely see more of that today than we saw 20 years ago. I guess, you know, it's like it's the Denver Post. Like there's still, to me, there's, you know, even though newspapers are dying, there's still something about you're the beat writer for the the local newspaper. So it feels different to me, you know. And like even, you know, like my experience getting to be a play-by-play, you know, like when the Notre Dame women won the national championship in 2001, I was the play-by-play guy. And after that happened, you know, I was basically, after, you know, broke down the equipment, all this different stuff, and the team was whisked here and whisked there. This is, you know, all this stuff going on, you know, beyond just on the court. All this different stuff and pictures being taken. And I I literally, you know, like, I'm the, as the play-by-play guy, I feel like there are less, you know, sort of unwritten rules about how you're supposed to, you know, because the play-by-play guy is a little different.
2: You're closer to the team. Like, you're part of. I literally
1: traveled with the team you're on the plane with the team right. and the whole thing. But you know, like there were pictures where, you know, where the, the team was taking pictures with trophies and all this different stuff. And it's like, I back off over here. I backed away from that. You know, like yeah. if I had had the opportunity to take a picture with the trophy, maybe I do that. Now there also wasn't social media back then because this is 2001. And then, you Granted. know, even like with the college world series team in 2002 a year later, but and that's another thing: how social media has changed all this. But personally, I feel like maybe, kind of like what you were saying. Maybe if I get a chance and the trophy's there, I get a picture with the trophy. But I'm not like fanboying it out, right. you know,
2: pumping the trophy up in the air. And, like, come on, that's, man! That's right. That's craziness. Yeah. Look, I, I again, I you know, the Cubs won the World Series. I was I wasn't at the game. But if I was, I'm not running on the field and dogpiling with the players. Like, that. Just there, there's a line that you really shouldn't cross, right? I mean, and, and then there is a professional line. And I didn't even go to school for this stuff, right? And and it's it should be understood that there's a professional line that you don't cross. It should I be agree. understood. But right. apparently, with this joker. I
1: agree. I agree. And I found it was, or, you know, I, I just That's thought, hilarious. And, you know, hilarious. And, yeah
2: like just shake your head you're like whatever man okay if that's if that's you you be you that's fine right it's just i
1: don't know it's just different it's a different <laughs> time it's
2: just great
1: you know we get the announcement all the time no cheering in the press box right yeah I, so i just
2: punch you instead <laughs> yeah
1: that's right that's right
2: you'll get the chance to do that oh again. the best part about you being with IV is we get to watch games together again that's right
1: all right, man. So uh I want to throw this up there, D Rock. Love your perspective, gentlemen, on your views tonight. Well done. Thank you very much. Thanks, D-Rock. D-Rock. Uh,
2: one thing we will never be short on. Is the our others, as well,
1: you know, and Stymie just said this. Sounds like the type of writer that uses we when the team wins, and they when the team is struggling. And you know, you know me. Thank it's, you. it's like we we. I'm, I'm using my air quotes. We has been a word that I never use, you know, no matter if I'm doing play-by-play play or, you know, any of that kind of
2: stuff. Back in 2004, when you and I met, <laughs> that's and, right. and we started working together covering Notre Dame sports, football specifically, that's the first thing that you told me, because I didn't know anything about this business, right? I was a teacher, you know, I wasn't even a teacher then, but, I, you know, it was not my business. You're like, look, we're not fans. <laughs> you don't use the word we, You're not part of the team, at least publicly, anyway. You know, yeah, right, 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 right. 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 But when you cover the team, you don't use the word "we." And I'm, I subscribe to that wholeheartedly. It makes perfect sense. I'm not part of it. They don't ask us about strategy. They don't ask us about the depth chart. You know, we're not running the bases. We're not running for first downs. We're not doing any of that stuff. It's not my team. It's the team that I follow. It's the team that I cover. You will never hear me use the word "we." And if it accidentally slips out, I will correct myself immediately because of what you told me almost 20 years ago don't use the word we you're not part of the team that's right it's facts
1: words to live by yeah right? man <laughs> and, you know honestly and I think once you start covering the team just sort of being in that you know daily grind and and the whole thing it, it sort of it can knock some of that out of you anyway you know like you still have something you know but it can still kind of knock knock yeah. it out of you it does. That,
2: no, it absolutely does. I, I again I try to keep that, you know, that line very clear, you know. So right.
1: all right. Vince is going to be back on the show Wednesday. And yeah. so you 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 definitely you you want to do the Bill Pollard Yeah, thing I, think right? I think that'd be a lot of
2: fun. I think that'd be a lot of fun because I it was a really, really good read. And so anybody who wants to go check out Irishbreakdown.com. The story is up there. Sean put it out a few days ago. It is a really, really good read, but I think that'd be fun.
1: All right, so it's the Bill Polian checklist—the eleven things that he considers most important when hiring a head coach—and the yeah. way I wrote it up, I, you know, basically put it up against. Okay, these are his criteria. How does this fit with Marcus Freeman? Oh, so we'll great. get into some of that on Wednesday's show. Ryan is going to be on uh, tomorrow, and we'll start off the show with a little bit of recruiting talk, like I said, and then Jesse is going to be here with me tomorrow. And we are going to, when Jesse is here, we're going to put up, we're going, or not, we're going to put up, we're going to discuss a handful of would you rather Mm -hmm. um, things as they pertain to Notre Dame and, you know, maybe, you know, like a a couple of other uh, things as well. So it's, it's like the things you know, it's like, I don't want to give it all away, but it's like, okay, you can have this scenario, or you mm-hmm. can have this scenario. You're
2: going to make them tough, too. You're not going to make yeah, them That's off. right.
1: That's right. You know I like to make it hurt whenever I can. So. I know
2: how you roll. That's
1: right. All right. That's right. So that's what we'll be doing tomorrow. So looking forward to it. Appreciate it, uh, everyone, for stopping by once again tonight. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, follow us. Like us. Uh, rate us. All that different stuff. Rate us. Comment. Follow us on uh, the audio platforms as well. I know I probably talked in a circle there, but you know, it's like a little bit different with every platform. Oh, it I'm is. Trying to hit like all the different things that you can do, but it definitely helps us out. Great to have you with us here tonight. If you missed any part of the show, don't forget it's always archived on YouTube and of course it goes to those audio platforms as well. Uh, the, you know, the your your Apple Podcasts and your Spotify's and all those different outlets the day after the show as well the morning after the show. So, Looking forward to. I know, and I know we've got a tons of a ton of listeners on all those different platforms. Vince, that's yes, CERN As always, I will yes. talk to you later in the week, sir. Sounds good.
2: I will talk to you Wednesday.
1: All right. Happy Asian Sports Talk. We'll talk to you later.